I called um, Sargentino Roma the dark Roma because it, it is not so fancy like a fruity Merlot or something like that. You can smell the underwood smell, wet ground, humus, truffle, mushrooms. Mm. So it's um I do. Hearty. I find the truffle yeah. now. Yeah. Oh, I wish I was eating some truffles right now. With this, yeah. That would be amazing. <laughs> Let's see, please. Let's it's a see good it pairing with the, with the yeah. Sagrantino. Mm. Uh, could be wild boar with truffle. Mm -hmm. Excellent with Sagrantino. Life is good, right? Yeah. Salute. Cheers. Welcome to Moto di Berry, the podcast for local drinks and local sayings. I'm your host, Rose Thomas Bannister. And today, I'm very excited to be talking with Roberto Di Filippo. Roberto has been practicing organic viticulture for over 30 years. He and his wife Elena run the Plani Arche Winery in the central Italian region of Umbria. But not just Roberto and Elena work on their farm. In the field, they are also joined by a team of horses. In 2010, along with their partner, Roberto Pironi, they started a winery in the Danube Delta region of Romania. Roberto, welcome. We have so much to talk about. Thank you so much, Rose. I'm proud to be here. Real quick, before we start the interview, if you're a fan of the Moto di Berry podcast, please take a moment now, go to Apple Podcasts and leave the show a five-star rating and write a review. It really helps with visibility for the show, and I really appreciate it. We'll be here when you get back. I'd like to start the interview by asking my guests uh, about a local drink and a local saying. I'm excited to talk to you about the grapes that are local to both Umbria and Romania, but let's start with a saying, uh, modo di dire. I bet you know some about horses. Something about horses? Oh, it's so, it is my passion. Uh, I started to work with them 13 years ago in Romania. <clears throat> and I was not so interested with the horses before than the period. Uh, simply in Romania, we started to till the old vineyard, the Ceausescu age vineyard with the horses. And I've seen the horses with the plow on the back. So as my maker and farmer, I said, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> and so I started to study the horse management, the, the horse, uh, uh, the working horse. And I was in touch with the um, French vignerons, with uh, the Amish people here in Pennsylvania, in Ohio. And so I started also to produce some prototype to work with the horses. And uh, after years and years, and also with some... But accident, I've broken twice my legs working oh with my. the horses. And it can happen when you are working with a, a one-tone horse, it could happen. But anyway, <coughs> I started to <coughs> to produce some prototype. And now it's, uh, we are in Italy, we probably are the leader working with the horses. And we are so efficient that it is cheaper to work with the horses instead of the tractors. So it's we also have calculated this with the university in Perugia, university in Siena. It's very interesting. We have a lot of benefits, 
because it's uh, more environmental friendly and also uh, we consume less uh, oil and the energy is renewable uh, it's more uh, well adapted with the horses because they just consume hay that's it and then it's charming it's also a good um, promotion for the winery the people likes to see that and the horses are also multifunctional uh, we do not only work with the horses we also uh, arrange some uh, carriage tour in the, in the winery and so michelle and the regal team has been a winery and we had a nice tour in, uh, around the, the vineyards Oh, I am. I also find the horses very charming. I want to know everything about them. How many do you have? What What are the names of some of your favorite favorite oh, horses? I have uh, uh, three horses in in Italy. It's a Diamante, Bebe. They are they are about ten years old, and um, one younger. It's a Pioggia. And okay, I started to train them uh, seven eight years ago. So I was a beginner. Also, the horse was a beginner, and uh, during the training, uh, <laughs> I was uh, one horse, Bebe, which is my favorite, escaped with one huge trunk on the back, and I've broken my leg. Oh, twice. my goodness. Yeah, yes. But, uh, you know, it's, um, it is difficult to recover this habit. And in Italy, we lost a habit to work with the animals, with the horses. In France, they are a bit more used than, than, than us in Italy. And here in the uh, uh, United States, uh, you have the amazing and also freaky uh, Amish people. Uh, you have to consider them an heritage for you because they are keeping the Sabbath to work with, uh, with the horses. And um, anyway, to recover the Sabbath, you have to be stubborn. Otherwise, um, if you have the first problem and you uh, give up immediately, uh, you don't have any result. And after seven years, uh, we were able to till uh, 40 acres with the four horses. Uh, now I have a small winery. We can manage in Italy uh, 10 acres with the, with the horses. And, okay, it is nice. We love it and uh, it's very relaxing uh, to dress the horses. It's a kind of right to dress the horses and go to work in the, in the vineyard. It's a slow rhythm. You cannot compare with the tractors because with the tractor, for instance, you can manage two or three, uh, three, pardon, uh, yes, two or four hectares per day, and with the horses you can manage the half. But um, the quality of the work is much better, and it's, um, it's a really a pleasure to work with them. How did you get in touch with the Amish people to talk to them about their traditions? Simply turning around in Ohio, in Pennsylvania. Then I remember I stopped in a touristic place with the Amish people in close to Berlin in, um, in Ohio. And I start, started to chat with a guy. And I said, oh, I'm an Italian farmer. Uh, I work with the horses and they 
had a good, we had a good mood together and we worked um, we we started to talk about horses and harness and it was not so difficult i was i wasn't um, in touch with them for a long time i had few days to stay in ohio and pennsylvania uh, so i hadn't days and days of, of of touch but i i was lucky because i was able to drive uh, the Amish uh, horses, they are really well trained, probably the best one. And you can see that they uh, are in touch with the animals and horses daily. It's completely different from our habit. You really seem to have cared a lot about preserving um, and recovering lost traditions to the point of even putting your body on the line. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, let's talk about tradition. I When I open up the Plani Arche website, I see beautiful pictures of you and Elena standing in a hole in the ground with the clay amphorae, plowing these fields with the horses, crushing the grapes by foot. What is gained by using these methods in place of modern technology? Oh, it's, um, I think wine, it is not just business or uh, beverage. It's also, it means also tradition, stories. Uh, you know, I've seen the wine business changing a lot. I've 37 years of experience in my business. In the beginning, wine was just food, beverage, daily wine. Nowadays, more hedonistical. So you and the customers, you are looking for a lot of things around the bottles. It means the story, the grape, the terroir. And so we want to recover the ancient um, technology. We have a winery in Romania, we will talk later. And anyway, <clears throat> because we are in a close to the Balkanic and Caucasic area, we started to study also the Georgian wine. The amphora underground is a Georgian old ancient technology it is a 6000 years old technology so they make this maturated and orange wine uh, kept underground for 6 months so we do uh, this in this way and i made a lot of experience uh, right wrong uh, making the orange wines at, at the end i started to study on the website uh, the georgian protocols on wine making and this is why we have this small production of wine made in a in a georgian style that is so interesting i i think those wines are remarkable how did you choose the name plani arche plani arche it's a latin name uh, it means uh, Valley of the Rock, of the castle. And this is the place where St. Francis made a historical priest to the beard. And about it, we have two versions. One is the official, where the, the guy, the Saint Francis, made this uh, famous priest. So, um, thank you God for the nice sky, nice beards, and blah, and blah. And um, birds stayed stand silently on the on, yeah, on the um, uh, on the tree, listening to San Francis. Then there is also an apocryphal story about him. 
and um, saying that St. Francis turned around the, um, the towns looking for food and money for the poor peoples. And at the end of the tour, he got nothing. So he was really angry. And uh, going with, uh, toward the, the birds, he said, because the human beings are stupid, I prefer to talk with you because you are listening to me. So probably the both stories are, are true. But because we like to think alternative, uh, we use this name. And also because the Planiarche, um, the, the place where the, um, the, the priests of the birds were, were done. And, um, mm, the, the praise of the birds? The praise, yeah, the praise to the birds. Ah, How do I you see. say? Yeah. 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 As done. And um, so it's, uh, we have also vineyard close to this place. This is also another reason because we have uh, the, um, this name. What an amazing, what an amazing history. I study local sayings, deity, modo di dire, yeah. and I wonder if you have one to share about horses. Oh, matto come un cavallo. What is it? Crazy like a horse. Matto come un cavallo. Matto. You are crazy like a horse. You are too say matto come un cavallo because, you know, especially you have an, uh, a bloody stallion, they uh, jump, they race, and uh, uh, this is a modo di dire about the horses. So is this, you would say to someone who was being really, really rowdy and, and running around a lot? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Nice. I love it. How many languages do you speak? Do you also speak Romanian? Yes, not very good, but I speak Romanian. Nice. I, I, was, I was lazy, lazy to, to learn Romanian in 12 years. Roberto, can you tell us a little bit about the wine grapes that are local to Umbria? In Umbria, there are the, the most famous at this moment uh, are the we are three grapes. Uh, one red grape, which is the Sagrantino uh, from Montefalco. Uh, the name comes from uh, Sacramento, probably because it was uh, discovered by the monks in, uh, in Umbria. And then we have the Grechetto, uh, which is a white grape, uh, a bit tannic, uh, golden color. And then we have, we have the Trebbiano Spolatino, which is another white grape. And it's totally different from the other... Trebbiano, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, the, it's very famous, the Trebbiano from uh, Tuscany, uh, from Abruzzo. Uh, it is not a clone of this Trebbiano. It's completely different. It's much more complex and fruity. We have some Sagrantino here, right? Shall we taste that together? Yes, why not? With pleasure. Grazie. You're welcome. Thank you. What is the vintage of this wine? This is 2018. 2018. It has a dark color. Really pretty nose. And the color is some typical from Sagrantino. So you have the uh, ruby red with a mix with a tin of brown. Mm. Because the wine is very tannic. The nose is really pretty. It's pretty, it's, it's, um, Fairly subtle. This this wonderful freshness to it, like just um, and something a little bit like mushroom. Yeah, really. Uh, I called um, Sagrantino aroma the dark aroma because it, it is not so fancy, like a fruity merlot or something like that. You can smell the underwood smell 
wet ground humus, truffle mushrooms. Mm. So it's um I do like find the truffle yeah. now. Yeah. Oh, I I wish I was eating some truffles right now. This, this, yeah. That would be amazing. <laughs> Let's see please. Let's it's see a good it pairing tastes. with the with the yeah. Sacramentino. Mm. Uh, could be wild boar with truffle. Mm-hmm. Excellent with Sacramentino. Life is good, right? Uh, yeah. Salute. Cheers. Mm. Pretty dark palate too. Yes, <clears throat> Sacramentino is the probably the most tannic wine into the world. It is very important to have quality tannins, otherwise it's undrinkable. And on my experience, uh, if you want a good grape and good tannins, you have to be, you have to work very well into the vineyard. So it's uh, natural farming is very important. Uh, if you use, if you pump the production with the chemical fertilizer, uh, systemical treatments, you have bitter and harsh tannins. So I like to say that to make a good Sagrantino, you have to be first at all a good farmer and then a good winemaker. So we, it's much more important what you are doing into the field, into the vineyard, instead of the winery. Yeah, the tannins are are definitely really present here, um, and I, they kind of linger. I can sort of feel them still, um, in in a battle <laughs> with yeah. my mouth uh, a few minutes longer. But they're very, um, they're very fine tannins. They're very well integrated with the wine, and I can feel the force of them. But it's not like they're trying to 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 rip my tongue apart the way that uh, I'm more unbridled to use a horse term <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, tannin can be no guys if you're interested in tannic wines um definitely try a sagrantino it's it's a really cool delicious wine i'm looking at the bottle now too and there's this beautiful drawing of one of the horses mm-hmm. so this besides wild boar i feel like you do you think this is kind of the ultimate steak pairing also also brassate overcooked meat you know brassate brassato Brasato, no. Yeah, brasato is when you cook the meat for a long time. Oh, braised, braised, braised meat. Braised, yes. yes. Yeah. And uh, maybe maybe with wine, spicy with pepper, and truffle, we know. So it's the, um, it pairs very well with the Sagrantino. Mm-hmm. You have a kind of sweetness in the meat which pairs very well with the, with the tannin. Mm. I find some darker fruit, but I also find this note of like an espresso. Almost in the toast, yeah, in the, yeah. Mm. Oh, I would love for you, Roberto, to educate us a bit about vine training. Can you explain uh, the different training methods you use and why you choose them? Uh, the different the trellis, the the um, guillot, and the oh, the yeah, the training of the vineyard. How do you say oh. that in Italian? The vine training. Um, forme di potatura. The shape of the the plants. Okay. Um, anyway, we are using mainly cordon and guillois. They are very popular, but it's very important to divide long pruning. It means guillot. It could be silvo, uh, and uh, short pruning. Normally, is uh, cordon, but also alberello, little tree, because when you have a short pruning, you have only two tree buds. And the maturation is similar from the first and the second and the third. 
So you have, you have almost the same sugar and the same acidity. When you are using a long pruning, you could have seven, eight, nine, ten buds, and you have a different quality of grapes from the first buds to the last. The first has high sugar and low acidity. The last one has less sugar and more acidity. So when you harvest all together, you have a more freshness and fruitiness, and this is very useful uh, on the white wine. The Grecchetto, for instance, uh, we only use the Grecchetto and the Trappiano Spolettino, we only use the Guglio, even because another difference is the product productivity. The red grapes, they produce also on the first buds, so you, you can have a short pruning. The white wines, they produce on the last buds, so you need a long pruning. Anyway, the plants likes the vineyard, the vine likes the uh, long pruning because it's a kind of plants in it in Italian we call them liana. I don't know. I don't know how do you call it in, in English. So it's a long plants and they like to escape. Now we are used to put the plants in only three feet, so it's really too short for 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 a vine, but it's okay. Uh, we, you try to adapt the, um, the plants to your needs of farming. Thank you so much for explaining that to us. I would love to ask you a little bit more about La Zapata, the uh, winery in Romania. How is the terroir different in the, in the Danube Delta than in, oh, where you farm in Umbria? Let's say in Umbria, uh, we have a Mediterranean climate. The soil is clay calcareous, and so we have wine uh, complex, spicy, powerful. In Romania, it's completely different because the soil is a sandy, limey, and we have also rock and rocks underground because we are on the Machin Mountains, which are the oldest mountains in Europe, and the climate is continental. So, anyway, it's a cold in winter time. It's uh, dry in summertime, and the wines are less powerful but much more elegant. Mm. Uh, and when you test my Italian and uh, Romanian wines, you feel a big difference. Uh, I like it because it means that I respected the terroir. Because sometimes you the the winemaker the trend is to make the same wine in uh, all around the world so maybe you test the wine coming from uh, uh, i don't know france and uh, sicily uh, made from the same uh, winemaker and they are similar uh, i think it is wrong we have to respect the terroir we have to extract uh, a personality from the terroir in Romania, what has your experience been like coming in as an outside investor who's who's not from the area? Oh, the let's say there are many investors, not so much, not like in Italy, uh, planting vineyard from Romania and from abroad. Um, we try to have uh, an ethical, solid investment. Uh, for instance, when we planted the vineyard, um, we decided to work with the local people and to use the local material, staffs. And 
our colleagues from Italy, France, Spain, uh, they planted a lot of vineyards using the European farms. And they bought uh, the poles from France, for instance, the uh, plants from, from Italy. They hired the Italian or Spanish company to plant the vineyard mechanically. Uh, what we did was to use the poles, for instance, from uh, Transylvania, Romania, uh, the plants from Romania. And then we hired 20 people from the village and we planted together side by side 20 hectares of vineyards. So 90% of the European founds remained in the territory. So we started also to have a connection with the local people, with the major, and year per year we became the point of meeting for the territory, for the county. Uh, I think it is good because it's an ethical way to develop an area. That's so interesting. Tell me a little bit about the wine, wine culture in Romania generally. Hmm. In the recent years, they had no a big culture of wine. They have a tradition of production. Um, many years ago, they were the fifth country producing wine. So it means after Italy, Spain, France, maybe Germany, then could be Romania. And they sold mainly the wine in, uh, in the Eastern country, Russian, but also Cuba, uh, Japan. And they had a long tradition of, of wine, even during the Roman Empire. And they also have a tradition of uh, have drinkers <laughs> at the time during the Roman Empire they in the Roman they made a law uh, saying that they have to destroy vineyards and wineries it was the first century after Christ so it means that already the Romanian people had the, the habit to drink too much wine Oh, so it was so, a yeah. it was a temperance movement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those, anyway, those they they have well. vineyards, they have wine, and um, uh, now they are trying to produce a quality wine. The investors have made them a nice wineries. Uh, we are just missing in Romania small wine growers and artisan wine wine growers like we are. And uh, especially uh, we are missing, they are missing mainly <coughs> the personality into the wine. They planted a lot of international grapes like Cab or Merlot or uh, Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc. And they didn't work with the local grapes like Feteasca Regala, um, Feteasca Alba, uh, um, Babesca, Feteasca Negra, uh, Grassa di Cotonari. Uh, there are many of local grapes. Tell me some more about those grapes. Those sound really interesting. Oh, yeah. It's um, the most important white is probably the Feteasca Regala, <coughs> which is a cross between two grapes. And they've, they did this uh, cross maybe 100 years ago. One is the Feteasca Alba, the other one is Grassa di Cotonari, uh, which is a kind of uh, muscat. 
Um, then other interesting grapes are the babiasca. We produce the babiasca, which is a red grapes with a big berry like a chili giallo, like ganem game, and then the fetiasca negra. Um, then they have imported a grape from um, France, the aligoté. You know, aligoté is a burgundy grape. It's a secondary grape in Burgundy. It's not so important. The quality is soft and not really good. Very acid uh, with the citrus aroma. In Romania, we are 1,000 kilometers south than Burgundy, so we have a better, probably, terroir for the aligoté, and we produce an excellent one, very fruity, jammy. Um, you can pair very well with the seafood. And in Romania, in, in my area, we are in the Dobrja, on the Danube Delta. Uh, they produce, they make an excellent seafood from the Danube. Let's try this uh, aligote. <coughs> mm. Prego. How do you say thank you in Romanian? Mursumesc. Borsumesc. Mursumesc. 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 Can you see the bottle? Da. Yes, it's the language in Romania is 80% Latin and about 20% Slavic, Russian. Interesting. I see this beautiful picture of a uh, heron on the front. It's really nice. Okay, so let's taste this oligotate. I am very big on the local grapes. I think that's really cool. I love it when people preserve and um, protect and the local grapes and keep them from going extinct. I think the biodiversity is so interesting, the diversity of wines that can be made from these grapes. And that's part of the reason why um, I'm so obsessed with Italian wine. But I try not to be dogmatic in my life and to understand that, you know, things move around, grapes move around, people move around. At some point, somebody had to make a new tradition just to take the the wine grapes out of the forest and, and start to cultivate them. So, but this is, when we're speaking about international grapes, a lot of times that, that, that term is used to indicate French grapes that um, were very popular and then got planted all around the world. Yeah, I guess oligote isn't one of those big popular grapes. As you said, it's a very secondary grape in Burgundy. But it's, it is interesting to me when a grape is taken to a new place and there, it, there is something discovered about the terroir that it, it's really kind of found its home. So I'm really interested to try this aligoté. In short, uh, be, after what you told me, mm. let's see. I think I might have still a little Sagrantino in my glass, but it, yes, it's got an interesting. It's pink uh, now. It is, yeah. Mm. What am I finding on the nose? There's a beautiful. You have apple. You have this kind of fruit. Ripe fruit. It's a very pungent nose. Um, oh, okay. I'm, I'm got a little bit in my mouth now. That's delicious. I see what you mean. Aligote can be like very, very acidic, but there is a, and I still find that beautiful freshness, but there is so much more ripe fruit. Also, yellow fruit mm. like peach, yes, apricot, maybe even some star fruit. Like a little, little, um, a little bit more tropical fruit. Yes, almost. also. Yeah. Mm. It's got a great texture to it, too. And indeed, thanks to the soil, also the rocky underground, yeah, for sure is very important. Or kind of way making, we harvest everything by hand, and in cases, and we 
press the whole grapes and so uh, it, we take care a lot about the quality of the grapes and also we are very very delicate on the wine making and consider that we use only uh, wild yeast with this wine so it is not a technical wine and it is so clean and the aroma is um, unfaulty mm. uh, just to say that you can produce a natural wine unfiltered also in a correct way it's very beautiful there's almost a note of kind of like some tea like on the finish like yeah a, like a, like a black tea or um it's yeah it's got a really pretty finish i get some some notes of like cherries or even it makes me think of cherry blossoms it's very very pretty there's some beautiful light lightly floral notes to it it's really complex bravo <laughs> thank you um i had no idea when when my my friend michelle mentioned that that you were in town that i was going to be drinking an aligote from from romania thank you so much for for bringing this to me we are proud this, uh, also because uh it was an uh, an art effort to start making wine in Romania. Uh, when we started, we, we didn't start with a, a technological place. We built the winery. We had not electricity in the beginning, mm. just a noisy generator, uh, no water. We just had a tank. And so we washed the things in a bucket. And uh, anyway, we were able to get some price in this condition. What does it mean? That it means that this is important not only the technology, but also the technique. The difference is the technique is your skill, your uh, education, your knowledge, your experience. Technology is very useful because it makes your life easier sometimes, not every time. <laughs> uh, so we, we want to put the human beings in the center of the winery. It, and it is against the mainstreaming because, you know, all the modern management try to take away the people, the human beings, out of the production. So we think we have to make one step back and we have to recover ourselves. Having that experience of being, of being forced to work without much technology, um, besides the horses, what did you learn from winemaking in that way in Romania that you brought back to your production, to your winery in Italy? Oh, making wine is very complex. So you learn from anything. The experience was probably uh, the first thing, okay, I learned to use sources and I bring this knowledge in Italy. About wine, it was important to learn how to work in a delicate way with the grapes to have an, an high quality grape, an high quality wine. So harvesting almost everything by hand to value the people working into the vineyard. And so step by step we went ahead to observe the herbs in Romania, uh, to um, uh, observe the soil. Uh, it was a continual 
it was to grow up continuously in Italy and Romania. I, during these 12 years, I doubled my experience. I made two harvests in one year in two completely different places. And so any experience increase your skills, your knowledge, your experience on making wine. And not only uh, you uh, learn also you. It was very nice also to know all the ethnical groups and not all, but a lot of the ethnical groups in the Dobroja, in the region where we are in Romania. Uh, it's a really a multi-ethnical place. We have 28 ethnical groups over there and <laughs> so it's a kind of melting pot of people and so I met Russian people or Ukrainian a Lipovian a Macedon a Gypsy Romanian Bulgarian Italian a Greece so uh, it's crazy and any of those has a different personality uh, it seems crazy uh, but from all of those Uh, ethnic group, I add something on my knowledge and my experience. And one of the most important are the Georgian. Don't forget it. Uh, in this place, I started to study the Georgian technology, the Georgian protocol. Uh, so how to make the orange wine, how to make a long maturation, why you have to make a long maturation, uh, three, four, six months long until the springtime. And so it's, uh, uh, I think I have a wider point of view after this experience. So I have to say thank you, Romania, thank you, Italy, uh, because when I'm over there, I can watch my Italian winery from, an, from a distance point of view. And this is very important. Oh, that's beautiful. That's definitely um definitely what I'm the kind of knowledge exchange that that makes me very happy I'm so <laughs> happy you. to that you told us about it Roberto thank you so much for 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 coming and, and speaking with me today and sharing your beautiful wine with us could you please um, spell out the names of your websites for us so that our listeners can connect with you and also put this information in the notes for the episode Oh, for the Italian website, it's www.planiarche.it. Uh, uh, and and the Romanian one is www.lasapata.com. Dot com. Dot com for the Romanian website, dot IT for the Italian. So you Wonderful. can see this uh, crazy and uh, freaky Italian guys <laughs> <laughs> making wine in a lonesome place in Romania. I remember when we started to build winery in the village in the middle of nowhere because it was not in the village but in the countryside. They said, oh, they have to be crazy. And now after 12 years, they are looking a lot of people coming in the winery and with a lot of life around us. So sometimes you, you need to have a vision. You have to be a visionary and simply you have to have a dream. Crazy like a horse, right? What yeah, was that? What was that? Absolutely. <laughs> what was that saying again? Matto come un cavallo. Matto? Come un cavallo. Matto come un cavallo. Okay. Grazie, Roberto. Grazie a te. Thank you, Roberto. Thank you to all of our listeners. And 
wherever you go and whenever you drink, always remember to enjoy your life and never stop learning. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Rose. Oh, thank you. Follow Moto Di Berry on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok for even more unique and encouraging drinks and language content. If you'd love for the show to continue and grow, support Moto Di Berry on Patreon and unlock bonus episodes. Find out more at mododiberry.com, where you can also read the blog. Music for the podcast was composed by Ercilia Prosperi and performed by the band Oh. You can purchase their recordings at oumusic.bandcamp.com. <laughs>